So uh, Janelle and I were on a flight last week, and uh, it was weird. It was the first time we'd flown since COVID, but uh, that's a whole other story in itself. But um, on our way to our destination, we went to Florida, and on our way to the destination, I, I looked out the window and I thought, Jesus, you are an amazing artist. Because, you know, Jesus is the creator of all things, right? He spoke creation into existence. That's the, the beauty of the gospel is the creator came into his broken creation to heal us and, and to bring us real life. But I, I noticed these pictures, and I took a couple of them. Look at those clouds. Like, clouds can be so beautiful with the sun off them like that. And I just looked like, look at that. You just see a little puppy dog in there somewhere or chicken wing. But that one I thought was kind of cool. Like, you, you, you just spread out like that. And then this one I want you to pay close attention to. See the clouds, but you can see the land, right? That's, keep that in your mind just for a second. Because clouds can also become problems, right? Clouds can become problems. They can, in an airplane, they can cause turbulence. And I don't like turbulence in an airplane. I feel so out of control when that's happening. And on our flight home, we flew through rain clouds the entire flight, and I was puckered the whole time because we were just, and I couldn't see the land. If I can see the land, then I, then I can focus on something. But I, wanna, I took a little video and, and watched till the very end of, this was a video I took for you. Very puckered right here. Can you see any land? That's what I did. See the land there just a little bit, peeking through the clouds. Now, if you go back to that last picture where I said, see the land, in my mind, I had to make a decision, is the land still there? Of course it is. Even though I can't see it through these clouds, the land is still there. Maybe today, circumstances, relationships, whatever, are clouding your vision to be able to see the land, to see reality. The clouds caused me to not see what was reality. They were tr the clouds were trying to become my reality. And so if today you're going through that in your life, I believe Jesus has a word for you. I really do. And I've been praying for you for the last two weeks to, to be able to embrace this. Jesus made some huge claims in the Gospels about who he was saying that he was God, you've seen him, you've seen the Father. But probably the biggest claim he made was in John chapter 8. He's speaking with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and they were rejecting him. They did not believe he was the Messiah. He had been doing miracles and teaching and creating a following, and they, when they investigated him, they rejected him because he didn't fit into the box that they had created for God in their little framework. How many know when you try to put God in a box, he's going to blow it up for you? Because he doesn't fit in our little boxes. Jesus has to become our box of what, what, what God is like, but they couldn't, they couldn't see it. So in, in chapter 8, verses 53 through 59, here's Jesus' engagement with the, with the religious leaders. They asked Jesus, they said, Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. 
Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. Now, what ticked them off so bad? Because in the law, if somebody blasphemed, they could have the, the death penalty by stoning. And so they thought by him, he, what he claimed as being I am was worthy of blasphemy. They couldn't see it. They couldn't, they couldn't see it. So remember in Exodus, Moses, in Exodus 3, he's, he's walking by and he sees this bush that won't stop burning. And he stops and is like, well, that's a curious thing, right? And, and God used that to, to get his attention. And he spoke to him and he said, Moses, you're going to be my deliverer. You're going to deliver my people out of slavery from Egypt. And Moses argues with God like we always do when we have a calling on our life. And I'm to pick somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. And then ultimately Moses submits and he says, well, who should I tell him is sending me? And he said, tell them I am who I am is sending you. Now that was the, 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 the name Yahweh, the, the unspeakable majestic name of God. And he, Jesus is equating himself to Yahweh when he says, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He is saying he's the great I am. He is the I am. The I am is just this word that summarizes all the vastness and greatness and mysteriousness about God. And I, I really think there are two life-changing questions that we all have to answer. Two life-changing that will truly set the trajectory of your life if you, on, depends upon how you answer it, the destiny of your life, how you live your life, how you spend your money, how, what you do with your life comes from how we answer these two questions. And the first one, Jesus gets to answer. And his question is, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? If you remember... In uh, Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples, and they're at Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asks his disciples, he says, who do the people say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're Jeremiah, you're Elijah, one of the prophets, maybe even John the Baptist come back from the dead. And Jesus flips that conversation, and he says, who do you say I am? He makes it personal to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus says, Peter, that's the right answer. And he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. And he says, Peter, upon this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell can't stand against it. So we have to answer that question. Who do we say Jesus is? A lot of people have a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. Who is he? 
Who do we say that he is? And have we answered that question? The second question is, who does he say I am? Who does Jesus say you are? What is, what, do you know what he says about you? Do you know what he thinks about you? Do you know who you are because of him? And the truth is, it takes faith to answer both of those questions. It takes faith to, to answer the question, who do, you, who do you say I am to Jesus? And who does he say I am? It's, it's going to take faith on both. And faith, faith is coming into agreement with Jesus about who he is and who he says we are. That's what faith really is, coming into agreement with Jesus. Jesus, I agree with you. You are the son of the living God. You're my savior. And then it's coming into agreement with what he says about us. That's so important too. And I think once you know who he is and you begin to discover who you are, that's life-altering, life-changing, truly. Faith is also um, discovering Faith is a discovery of what is reality. Moses discovered God in the burning bush. And for us in our our journey, we we discover God and we continue to discover what reality is in in the person of Jesus. Then I would say this too. Faith, Faith is confidence in God rooted in encounter with God. God doesn't want us just to have information about him. He wants transformation in our lives. He doesn't want us to be able to just, you know, memorize verses and not have encounter with him or or truths, but to truly encounter him in our daily lives and in our relationships. So what I want to talk about for the next few minutes together, we're taking communion together at the end. Before we do that, how do we encounter Jesus's I amness? Vocabulary police, you're staring at me right now. But I invented that word, I amness. I didn't invent it. But what, how do we encounter his, his, who he is, the great I am? First thing I would say to, that I wrote down was I need to realize who I am really is, who the I am really is. You'll never make too big of a deal out of Jesus. You'll, you'll never underestimate Jesus. Jesus is the creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all things. That's who the, the great I am is. And the Apostle Paul, one of, one of the most profound, powerful passages is in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, speaking of Jesus, this is what he says. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the face of God the firstborn over all creation. And what that means is because of his resurrection, he is now the firstborn over all creation. He's the true human. We're, we're, we're becoming what, like him, so we're not fully there yet. Sometimes we say, hey, I'm only human. Um, you know, actually, that, that, that's not true. We haven't become fully human until our resurrection as well. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, 
And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure to have for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him and to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his He created you. He's, he is the creator of all things. Not only did he create the beauty of the clouds and the earth and the mountains and the ocean and the universe, he created you. And he stepped into his creation to, to redeem it. That's amazing. He came into this broken, sinful world and this, and to, to come and set things right. He knows you. He created you. And I would tell every young person listening, don't ask the question, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to be when I'm older? Ask Jesus the question, what do you want to do with my life? Because then he'll set you on, on the perfect plan and path. And, and, and he knows what's best for each one of us. So, so seek him. He created you. He redeemed us. He ransomed us. He reconciled us by his life, death, and resurrection. And then he sustains I love the beauty of that truth that Jesus holds all things together. Everything's being held together by who he is. In the Old Testament, when people would encounter God, they would give him names. And one of the names of God was El Shaddai. And El Shaddai means the all-sufficient one, like the God who is enough. God wants to remind us today that he's enough for whatever you're going through, and he's enough for your future, and he's enough for your past. He's sustaining you. So when we look over the next uh, several weeks, we're in, the, in this series called I Am, we're looking at the seven I Am statements that Jesus made, excluding this, this is a different one. There's, Jesus talks about that, and so we're going to take the next seven weeks after this and look at what does that mean when Jesus said, I am. For example, he said, I'm the bread of life. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I'm the one who satisfies. Then he says, I'm the light of the world. He's saying, I will, I am the one who illuminates for you. He says, I'm the door to the sheep pen, meaning I am the one who gives you security and freedom. I'm the good shepherd, means I am your protector. I am the resurrection and the life, meaning I am eternal life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, meaning I am reality. Like Jesus is reality. We got to let everything around us be shaped and formed into the reality of Jesus and don't let everything else try to shape what Jesus is. And then he says, I'm the, I'm the true vine. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And he says, in that, that as we stay connected to him, as we're connected to him the way a branch is to a vine, I am the life giver. You draw life from me. So I've got to realize who I am really is in order to encounter him. Not information, but transformation. The second thing is I need to recognize and acknowledge my I am nots. And you're going, what in the world are you talking about there? If he is, I am, all of these things for us, those begin to answer our I am nots. Your I am nots have been spoken to you since you were little. 
you're not capable, you're not lovable, you're not worthy. All of those, I, and then we begin to say, I'm not capable, I'm not lovable, you know, etc. Those things were spoken to us. And if I don't learn to recognize him as I am, those I am nots begin to, to settle in our hearts. And we don't see him correctly, ourselves and others correctly. A couple thoughts on this. Our I am nots, they are clouds that, that, that block our view of reality. Just like in the video when I, I couldn't see the land. Our I am nots that, that we have believed and heard about us are blocking the view of reality where I couldn't see the land from the plane that happens in us. We, it blocks our view of what re- reality is. And trying to believe God with a distorted view, him leads to more and more of those I am nots. And I would say this too, our I am nots originate from the evil and experiences with others. So the evil one is a liar. He's, that's all he can do is lie. And so he uses people to speak things over us subtly that we begin to get this wrong view of God and others. And there's always two voices speaking to you. There's the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is telling you that, that, that you're loved, you're accepted, you're significant, you're significant. And then there's the voice of the evil one that's trying to tear you down, trying to tell you what you, what you are not. And so he's very subtle in how he speaks, the evil one speaks to us. And if you're hearing the, I'm not capable, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm not forgivable, that's not coming from Jesus. It's coming from, from the evil one. When I was in third grade, my parents got divorced, and it rocked my little third grade world. Now, the good news is my parents got remarried in the fifth grade, and they went on to have 55 years of marriage. You don't hear that a whole lot, do you? <laughs> um, and when they got divorced, my, my mom went to work. She became a travel agent. Anybody remember what a travel agent did? <laughs> Pre-internet, you know, you, you would call or you'd go to the travel agency and they would sit there and book your flights and your hotels and all that. So that's what my, my, my mom did. When she said she was going to work, she sat me down one day. She said, you're going to have to become a little more self-sufficient. Here's how you use a microwave. Here's how you wash your clothes. You got to do for yourself. And I remember, um, I'm kind of like a one of the original latchkey kids, if you ever remember that statement, Gen X, like I'm, I'm the beginning of Gen X. <clears throat> and for whatever reason, my, my mom, I love my mom, we had a, a good relationship, but the circumstances sent me this message that I'm not wanted, that I'm an inconvenience. You tracking with me? Because we all have these stories. Something's happened to us. And... I remember that, that subtly that I am not wanted picking up speed. I could see it in my life. And obviously, be, be following Jesus, and, and he's brought tremendous healing in, into my life o- over that, that wound. But my mom passed away two and a half years ago. And I so thank God that we had this conversation because I came to her one day, and just out of the blue, I said, Mom, 
why didn't you come to my baseball games when I was little? Why didn't you come to my baseball games when I was in high school? And uh, she said, I, I wish I would have. And she asked if I would forgive her. She said, if I had to do it over again, I would have been there. And uh, it, was, it was healing. And I, I don't have a bunch of stuff, you know, anymore in that. Like, parents are always doing the best they can with what they have, right? And, and yet parenting has an opportunity to speak I am nots into our kids instead of pointing them to the, to the I am, the one who has everything. So I wonder, for you, what message has subtly been spoken to you that you are not? Mine was, I'm not wanted. I am not wanted. Maybe you have something else. Here's what I, I think is a good exercise to do, is just a very short couple sentence or paragraphs, take a pen and a paper, and, and write, write to your earthly mom or your earthly dad what message you needed to hear from them? What were, what were some words? What were some things you needed to hear from them? They may be gone. They may be, be gone into eternity. It's still a good exercise to do because you'll find your I am not probably within in that somewhere. You'll find where your struggle, and then Jesus can come in and speak his I am. Because whenever you hear I am, I, I am not capable, then you ask Jesus, Jesus, are you capable? and he'll laugh at you. <laughs> and you hear, You're not lo- I'm not lovable. Jesus, am I lovable? And he'll say, look at the cross. And then he'll say, uh, I'm not forgivable, I did too much. And he'll say, look into the face of my Father. I'm in you. That's where healing comes from. The the third thing in encountering his I amness is I need to rely on what the great I am says I am. You and I need to rely on who he says we are. Don't rely on other opinions of others. Don't rely on this world to give you an identity. R- rely on Jesus. That's where our, our security rests. In John 14 is an amazing passage. Jesus is telling his disciples that he, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper to them. He says, I got to go back to my Father, and when I do, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you always. And in John 14, 20, he says, and on that day, he's talking about the day of Pentecost, and on that day, you will know that I'm in my Father and that I am in you and that you are in me. Like, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's the part of the gospel that I think we, we don't focus enough on. We see the gospel often as just a get-out-of-jail-free card, and, and it's, the gospel is that Jesus, in what he did in his life, death, and resurrection and ascension, he brought you and I into his relationship with the Father. That's why we're joint heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs. Jesus has shared everything that's his with us. It's yours. You're in that relationship. You don't, you don't will your way into it. He brought you into that relationship. That's how much God loves us. And we're in that relationship.
relationship. How secure is the relationship between the Father and the Son? Is that a pretty secure relationship? They are completely others-centered through the Holy Spirit in the relationship of the Trinity. And that, that sec- you and I are as secure as that relationship. You're as secure as, as how much the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. We're in it. We need to live from that. We need to believe who He says we are and rely on it. So this, this means three amazing things for us with several sub Truths. There's three headings I want to give you, and, and, and just a few bullet points. On the app, you'll see uh, all these other points. I'm just going to read a few of them. It's kind of like your homework. <laughs> but there, Neil Anderson wrote a book years ago about who we are in Christ, and he talks about three things, and there's truth and then the verse to follow up. So I'm just going to read a few. The first reality is I'm accepted. Say that with me. I'm accepted. How's that feel? You're accepted. I'm God's child. I'm a friend of Jesus. I've been declared righteous. I'm united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. That's just getting started. The second truth, I'm accepted and I'm secure. Say that with me. I'm secure. I know for some of us, you saying that, it's kind of, I'm secure. <laughs> because you don't feel secure. You're relying on your feelings instead of relying on the great I am and who he says you are. I do it all the time too. I'm guilty as charged. We need to flip that. I'm free from condemnation. I'm assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I'm free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. That's security. And then the last, I'm accepted, I'm secure, and I'm significant. Say that with me. I am significant. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's temple, the Holy Spirit. We're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I'm seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's masterpiece. Now, when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece. But it's not about physical. It's about his, him in us, undoing the work of Adam, undoing the work of sin, undoing, illuminating our minds and pushing away the darkness so that we see reality and we become like Jesus in how we think, act, and speak. So take those with you, open the app, and then just kind of meditate, maybe read the verses this week. I think you'll, you'll, really, you'll really grow from that. And then the fourth thing, I need to remember that the best time to experience God's I amness is when life doesn't make sense. You get a health problem that doesn't seem to go away, financial problem, relational problems, Somebody betrays you. Things don't go the way you thought they were going to go. That's when you probably experience it the most. Because when things are going smooth, praise the Lord, right? This is life's great. Good. Thank you, Lord. And then all of a sudden your world caves in and you're like, what the heck? Where are you, God? You seem a million miles away right now. 
Tim Keller said, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So true. Years ago, one of the most you know, darkest times of my life of something that happened to me, um, I remember just being the low of the low, <laughs> the lowest point. And I did what I never recommend to anybody to do is I, I played Bible roulette. <laughs> you ever done that? You just open up and the first verse you, you land your finger on and Judas hung himself. Oop, don't want that one. That's a bad one. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, God met me in Bible roulette this day though. And I spun the wheel and I went and the, my finger landed on the Psalms where David says, Though all forsake me, though my father and mother forsake me, you will never forsake me. And in that moment, I knew I was going to be okay. I encountered his I amness, his sufficiency, who, who I was in him. Right before Jesus was about to be betrayed and be crucified, he, he told his disciples in John 16, he says, Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. In his darkest hour, in his humanity, Jesus was about to lose it all. All the disciples were scattered and left him high and dry. And he was going to be by him, just alone by himself. But he reminded himself that in his, in his own humanity that, hey, I don't really know, Father, that you're, you're all I need until you're all I have. He's experienced this. He's experienced what we've experienced times 10, temptation, troubles, etc., betrayal. We have an empathetic Savior who's truly been there and done that. He, is, he understands. Even when you don't think he understands or he doesn't answer your prayers the way you think he, he should, he loves you and he's going to work in your life we just need to rely and remember, God, who he is and who we are. We're going we're gonna to take communion. So anybody not have communion that wants to take communion? If so, we'll get it to you. We're good? Okay. Before we take communion, let's reflect for a moment. Maybe just get you know, in the quietness of your mind, close your eyes. Don't worry about what's next. And let's go back in our minds and think about those two questions. Jesus is saying to you and to me, who do you say I am?
Jesus, we agree with Peter that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, our Creator, Redeemer, and our Sustainer. The next question for us to ponder is, who does he say I am? Who does he say you are? If you don't know, begin to discover. Discover who he is. Gaze upon his face of acceptance and love and compassion. Jesus loves broken people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's all of us. You're his child. He's brought you to the Father. Jesus didn't come to, to, to shield us from, from the Father. He came us, came to, to redeem us into that relationship with the Father, why we were created in the first place. We've been adopted into that relationship. Believe who he says you are. Let him answer your I am nots with his I am. Some of you are thinking today, I don't have enough provision. He says, I am your provider. Some of you lack direction in your life and you don't know what's next and you say, I, I don't know what to do. He says, I am the one who will guide you. Trust me. Some of you are thinking, I'm guilty. I'm filled with shame. I'm shameful. I'm guilty. He says, I'm your Savior. I'm your Redeemer. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was with his disciples, and he, he, he took bread, and he, and, he, and he broke it, and he lifted it up to heaven, and he blessed it. And he told them, he said, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. After supper, he took a, a cup of wine and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it. He told him that, that that wine represented the blood that was going to be shed on the cross for the new covenant. That the old sacrifices and all of that, that this was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. The new covenant 
the new way of relating to God in perfect relationship because of Jesus and what he did. He said, drink it in remembrance of me. I want to bend the knee before you on behalf of all of us. Lord, in our hearts and our wills, we bend to your majesty. And at your, at your feet, Lord Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. We do that this morning, Lord, corporately, willingly. so beautiful Lord thank you that your face says grace and peace and truth to us we give you all of our stuff Lord our messes our complaining our, our difficulties our sins we, we lay at your feet thank you for your healing touch upon each one of us healing touch upon our minds upon our hearts, our lives, our relationships. We trust you. You're the great I am. And everyone said, Amen.